Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Church Online here at Crossview Church this morning. I'm so thankful that you are joining us this morning. Today is week three of our look at this famous sermon taught by Jesus, which we know as the Sermon on the Mount. Now, we've been taking larger sections and diving into their meaning as we work through, over the next several weeks, this entire sermon found in Matthew's um, chapters 5 through 7. So today, I'd like to read our passage from Matthew 5, 17 through 20 from Eugene Peterson's translation called The Message. And it reads like this. Don't suppose for a minute that I have come to demolish the scriptures, either God's law or the prophets. I'm not here to demolish, but to complete I'm going to pull it all together, pull it all together in a vast panorama. God's law is more real and lasting than the stars in the sky and the ground at your feet. Long after stars burn out and earth wears out, God's law will be alive and working. Trivialize even the smallest item in God's law and you will only have trivialized yourself. But take it seriously, show the way for others, and you will find honor in the kingdom. Unless you do far better than the Pharisees in the matters of right living, you won't know the first thing about entering the kingdom. This morning, as we continue our series, Jesus again doesn't disappoint in terms of saying something that is unsettling to his hearers. And if you'll remember, Jesus started out his well-known teaching with what we call the Beatitudes. He was describing for his hearers and for all of us kingdom tendencies, and he was holding them up against and challenging the predominant culture, the predominant cultural values of his day. It was and is certainly challenging, especially as we ask the question, do these tendencies describe me? Do they describe our church? Do they describe our community? These are the tendencies that Jesus shared. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed are you, he says, when people revile you and persecute you and speak all kinds of evil against you falsely. On my account, he says, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. Then, uh, if you'll remember last week, Jesus followed the Beatitudes with two metaphors about our role in the world. And they were powerful metaphors uh, that we're to be like salt and uh, light in the darkness of our world. That we're to be influencers of this world, truly transformed into the image of God and having a huge effect in our communities, doing what we can to be witnesses of Jesus that, that can't be ignored. It's exciting stuff. I hope you find it exciting as well. So what Jesus does following the teaching on salt and light is incredible. He gives his hearers some very important perspective that will actually help them and help us wholeheartedly live into what he's asking of us. So are you ready? These, uh, there are two things that we should pay attention to in what Jesus highlights next. So again, back to the scriptures. Jesus says, Don't suppose for a minute that I have come to demolish the scriptures, either God's law or the prophets. I'm not here to demolish, but to complete. I'm going to put it all together, to put it all together in a vast panorama. 
a panorama. I love that language and that image because in a panorama, you get to see uh, a lot more than just the regular image, right? A panorama is like the context for what, for what is only a part of the scene that we're looking at. Like a mountain, but in a panorama, you get to see the mountain's setting as well. And this is exactly what Jesus is trying to do. He's trying to give more context to what he's beginning to teach. And he begins by telling his hearers that he had not come to abolish the law or the prophets. For us, in a very broad way, we might understand that as most of what's in the Old Testament. Jesus is clarifying his relationship to the story of God and God's people from the very beginning. And this is important for us to understand. From the very beginning of his ministry, people had been struck by Jesus' authority. What is this, they would ask, right? Is this a new teaching? In just a few verses, Jesus is going to say things like, well, you've heard it said, but I say this to you. So it was natural that many people were asking what the relationship was between Jesus' authority and the authority of the Jewish scriptures. You know, we even do this sometimes today. I'm sure that you've heard, uh, uh, like I have, I've, I've heard more than once that the Old Testament doesn't matter as much as the New Testament, right? Or I've heard churches say that we're a New Testament church, possibly meaning to the exclusion of the Old Testament. Now, I just want to make clear that we are a church that values the whole scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. And Jesus does too. And this is exactly the point that he's making. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says this, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. The attitude of Jesus to the Jewish scriptures uh, was not one of destruction or discontinuity. He summed up uh, his position in a single word, fulfillment. That Jesus is putting his ministry in context. He's showing us the beautiful panorama of how Jesus is deeply connected to the story of God's unfolding grace from Genesis right up to this moment with his disciples and the other followers sitting on this hill. It's incredible. It's powerful. The Old Testament, the law, the prophets are all part of shaping the narrative, the culture, and the character of God's people and his church over geography and time. And Jesus doesn't come to start something brand new, but to see it fulfilled. One commentator I read this week wrote, Jesus Christ makes clear that he is not contradicting the law, but neither is he preserving it unchanged. He comes to fulfill it. In other words, he will bring the law to its intended goal. So what is that intended goal? Well, I'm glad you asked. See, Jesus is trying to move our understanding of God's law away from behavior modification only to that of the transformation of our heart. Jesus comes to fulfill the law by reminding us of what God has been doing and how God has been shaping his people. He just spent the first part of this sermon by describing the heart set and the mindset of what his followers, what you and I should look like. So God's intention is that the kingdom of God and its tendencies be our primary worldview and the primary way in which we act in the world. Jesus is the embodiment of that on display. And the cool thing for us here is to realize that this isn't new. The panorama is Jesus reminding his people, listen, this has been my heart from the very beginning. Do you see it? 
And I could just imagine lights going on and aha moments happening uh, for the disciples or maybe the people who are listening. Um, you know, they, maybe they're saying, I knew this, but we get caught up in the law or this other way of living. You know, maybe I should have entitled uh, this message, Don't Forget. You see, the Old Testament is the story of God's relationship with humanity over generations. God needed a people through whom mercy and love and forgiveness and faithfulness, God's very righteousness would be evident in the world. From the beginning to the end, the Sermon on the Mount addresses these tendencies that make God's way evident. And Jesus says it actually works and it has real power in this world. And, it, and this sermon is getting really good. Because Jesus is pointing out that God has been at work for generations to develop a people with these kingdom tendencies and this particular kingdom outlook. For generation after generation, God has been trying to weave his character and his nature into the heart of his people. Incredible. So don't miss the point. Jesus is saying, I've not come to start something new. I'm the fulfillment of what God has been working toward over time and space for generations. Don't forget who you are and, and where you've come from. This is your story. This is my story. It's the story for our children and our children's children. Amen? Uh, so part of what's unsettling about this is that Jesus is saying to be his follower actually means some hard work. It means that there are qualities and tendencies that reflect the heart uh, and mind of God's people. And there's a transformation that needs to happen to reflect God's attributes in our daily life. And we're connected to this rich history. There is a way of life, an invitation of grace that rejects sin, that receives forgiveness and accepts healing and new life. Uh, the unsettling part can be that when we realize that we've not done the work that is needed or, or we've not opened our heart to the work of God's spirit and grace to shape our hearts. Again, in Matthew 5, 18 to 19, it says this. I'm not here to demolish, but to complete. I'm going to pull it all together, pull it all together in a vast panorama. God's law is more real and lasting than the stars in the sky and the ground at your feet. Long after stars burn out and earth wears out, God's law will be alive and working. I hope you hear that in the, in the connection with heart transformation. John Wesley preached in one of his sermons, he said this, The law of the heart stands on an eternally different foundation from the ceremonial or ritual law, which was only designed for a temporary restraint upon a, a disobedient and stiff-necked people. Whereas this was from the, uh, from the beginning of the world being written not on tables of stone, but on the hearts of all the children of all humanity. God has been working a DNA into the heart of his people to reflect kingdom tendencies. And Jesus hasn't come to start something new, he says, but to fulfill what God has been working on and doing for a long time. So therefore, we have this rich history uh, in the scripture where we can find our community being shaped by the power of God, the work of salvation through Jesus Christ, and the guiding and leading of his Holy Spirit. So this brings us to the second part of this passage, and we need to pay attention to this too. Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 20, Unless you do far better than the Pharisees in matters of right living, you won't know the first thing about entering the kingdom. Okay, so now it's like, hold on, Jesus. We've got to do better than the Pharisees in matters of right living, or, or we don't know the first thing about entering the kingdom of God. 
That sounds tough. It's unsettling. So what is Jesus saying here? So remember the Pharisees were a group of people who were famous for their rigorous attention to following the letter of the law. Obedience to following the letter of the law uh, was the primary passion of their lives. They calculated that the law contained about 248 commandments and about 365 prohibitions, and they tried to keep all of them. And some of them did pretty well at it. So what does Jesus mean here? So what's unsettling about this at first glance is that there is no way that anyone can do better in terms of right living than the Pharisees and scribes. They were professionals at it, right? But we've tried, right? A a lot of what we've emphasized in Christian Christian teaching um, is about right behavior, right? That behavior is important. We recognize that. We talked last week about how our deeds can be a witness to the love of God in our world, But the key here is a change of heart, starting with Jesus, that leads to different actions, not the other way around. So what's unsettling at first glance is not really what's unsettling in the end. You see, the scribes and Pharisees are seen as missing the point. Right living for Jesus is not about behavior modification only. It's about, it's the matter of the heart. It starts at the heart, and that's Jesus' point. You see, the scribes and Pharisees mentioned at the end of the passage represent not God's people as a whole, but our particular way of of getting things out of order. They thought that if they could muster enough willpower to keep all the laws, that God would recognize that as righteousness and then give them essentially eternal credit. And Jesus is saying, you've got to do better than that perspective, better than the Pharisees approach. It starts with the heart through faith in Jesus. That's where it begins, and it leads to real life change that will be a beacon in this world. Jeremiah 31, 33 says, I will put my law within them, and I will write it upon their hearts. And so how is God going to do that? Well, in Ezekiel 36, it says this, For here's what I'm going to do. I'll pour pure water over you and scrub you clean. I'll give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you. I'll remove the stone from your body and replace it with a heart that's God-willed, not self-willed. I'll put my spirit in you and make it possible for you to do what I tell you and to live by my commands. You'll once again live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. Incredible. So Jesus' statement clearly unsettled his hearers because the, uh, the Pharisaic righteousness was certainly front uh, and center in their culture. But the answer is that our righteousness through heart change that Jesus brings far surpasses the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees in kind rather than in degree. It starts with the heart. So how's the condition of your heart this morning? Are there areas of life where Jesus might uh, be unsettling you as you think about what drives your daily actions? Are you embodying the character, nature, and perspectives of people of Jesus that God has been shaping for generations? Do you find your story in along with the story of Scripture? Um, As we come to the end of this message, the whole point of this passage is to recognize first that Jesus is the culmination of God's unfolding grace from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, from Old Testament to New, from then until this moment now. 
Second, that God has been at work for generations upon generations to develop a people with, ki- with these particular kingdom ten- tendencies and kingdom outlook. That God has been trying to weave his character and nature into the heart of his people, which now includes you and me. And finally, that God's concern is that we will be a people who start with heart change that comes through faith in Jesus. And that that type of transformation will lead to a life of significant impact in the world around us as we daily live out God's love and compassion to other people. You see, God's aim in giving the law and the prophets to Israel and then fulfilling that law in the person of Jesus was not just to produce a collection of heroically righteous individuals, but to shape a faithful community that would be a light to the nations. So as I end, I want to end with another quote from John Wesley, and he writes this. There is, therefore, the closest connection that that can be conceived between the law and the gospel. On the one hand, the law continually makes way for and points us to the gospel, that is Jesus. On the other hand, the gospel continually leads us to a more exact fulfilling of the law. The law, for instance, requires us to love God, to love our neighbor, and to be meek, humble, or holy. We feel like we are not sufficient for these things, that with uh, humanity, this is impossible. But we see a promise of God to give us that love and to make us humble, meek, and holy. So he continues, we lay hold of this gospel. It is done to us according to our faith, and the righteousness of the law is fulfilled in us through faith, which is Christ Jesus. So I want to encourage you just to give your heart to Jesus this morning. As we let this incredible sermon that Jesus preached remind us of who he is, inspire us to embody his way and live our daily lives with hearts changed and transformed by his loving grace. Do you feel that need this morning? If you do, don't wait And don't hesitate, giving your heart to Jesus in faith that he is the loving father and savior who has been working from the very beginning of time to this moment to redeem you, to restore you, to give you hope, to offer you forgiveness, a new way of life, to give you purpose. There's nothing like faith in Jesus Christ. So I just want to encourage you. If the Lord is leading you to, there's a way to respond. You can respond online. Right now you can send me an email, uh, kyle at mycrossview.com. Reach out and let us know. Give your heart to Jesus. Uh, It is an incredible journey and filled with purpose and love like you have not experienced before. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, I'm so thankful uh, for your, your work throughout the story of Scripture, this idea of unfolding grace from the beginning to the end, from, from the beginning until this moment right now, all culminates in the person of Jesus. I thank you for this reminder, this panorama uh, of, of uh, connection about who Jesus is, uh, what Jesus does for us, what you've been doing for us, God. I pray uh, that we just give our hearts to you, whether that's for the first time or um, in new and deeper ways this morning. We thank you uh, that uh, the righteousness that you call us to starts with heart change and then leads to a life of love and compassion for those around us. Deepen our love of you this morning. Uh, Widen our fascination with scripture this morning. 
call us uh, to the intimacy of prayer, uh, of, of worship of you and reading your, your scripture. We just thank you for all that you've done. Uh, may we be people that embody this lifestyle that you've called us to, embody this way of life, and be a beacon of hope uh, in the world around us. And we love you, Jesus, and we praise you in your name. Amen. Let's continue to worship together.